morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, January 17th. On this date in 1961, President Dwight Eisenhower delivered his farewell address. In that speech, he warned against, quote, the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. And on this date in 1994, a 6.7 magnitude earthquake struck Southern California, killing at least 60 people. And here's your trivia question on this Wednesday. On this date in 1993, hundreds of thousands gathered in the nation's capital at a free outdoor concert that featured Michael Bolton and Aretha Franklin. What occasion brought that concert to Washington? I'll tell you in just a couple of minutes, but first, it's time to check in on your first alert forecast. And good Wednesday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Silva. Chilly out the door this morning. Make sure you have the coats ready to go. May want to warm up the cars for a few minutes. Temperatures climbing slowly today despite sunny skies. Only low 40s at lunchtime and mid 40s by the time the kids get out of school this afternoon. Then we drop down quickly. So by 6 o'clock, headed back towards the 30s. That puts us on pace for the 20s for most of you inland tomorrow morning. So it will be a cold and frosty start on our Thursday, but warmer in the afternoon at 60. Then we're at 63 on Friday. Next cold front comes through Friday. Small chance of a shower behind that. A cold weekend on the way. Highs in the mid-40s with a morning low on Sunday morning. The coldest at 21 degrees. You're listening to Morning Y'all. Your local headlines and first alert weather forecast. Powered by the Low Country's news leader, Life 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. Now to a developing story. The Orangeburg County Coroner's Office confirms the remains found in Holly Hill January 4th are those of 49-year-old Melissa Aguilar, who was last seen by her family in mid-August. We first told you about Aguilar last week, and now her family found what they believe were her remains exposed to the elements in the woods near her house. Yesterday, the Orangeburg County Sheriff's Office broke down the timeline of their investigation. But as our Molly McBride reports, at the time of that press conference, the sheriff's office wasn't even aware that the remains had officially been identified. Orangeburg County Sheriff Leroy Ravenel called it a breakdown in communication between the sheriff's office and the coroner. And Aguilar's sister, Sarah Shipman, says they've been experiencing this lack of communication all along. Shipman just filed a complaint against the Orangeburg County Sheriff's Office through the Attorney General, citing a lack of transparency and communication. She says she thinks the conference stemmed from her complaint, but a spokesperson for the Sheriff's Office says they had no knowledge of it. Sheriff Ravenel says they wanted to provide answers about their investigation and address concerns about the remains left in the Holly Hill Woods. The family says they found a jawbone and several other bones left behind by investigators days after they'd first been found. I reached out to the Orangeburg County coroner who tells me they, quote, collected what they saw. She says there was no boundary set by law enforcement indicating where the remains were, ultimately identifying Aguilar through dental records. We've been screaming this to Orangeburg the moment we saw her smile. It wasn't relief. It was, I told you so. The sheriff's office says they're currently working to find out Aguilar's manner of death, but that they do have a person of interest and that they're currently analyzing cell phones and DVRs. In the newsroom, I'm Molly McBride. Mount Pleasant police are looking for a man accused of a robbery and kidnapping at a local motel. Officials tell us this man, Maximilian Krauss, 
is suspected alongside Lauren Ellis in that incident. Now, Ellis had already been arrested on robbery, kidnapping and drug charges. Officers tell us they responded to a Red Roof Inn on Tuesday and there a victim was meeting someone from a dating app but was tied up and robbed by the pair at gunpoint allegedly. We're told Krauss could be armed with a handgun used in that robbery. If you see him, you should call 911. Jurors from Alec Murdoch's murder trial and Colleton County's clerk of court will be called as witnesses in an upcoming hearing. Yesterday, former state Supreme Court Chief Justice Gene Toll decided those will be the only witnesses in the hearing. Originally, Murdoch's team wanted the previous judge in the case and the lead prosecutor to take the stand, but Toll says the focus is on the clerk and jurors. Murdoch's defense team filed a motion for a new trial, accusing Colleton County Clerk of Court Becky Hill of tampering with the jury. Hill, who you see there, denies those allegations. The next hearing is set for January 29th in Richland County. A local group is preparing to get a better idea of just how many people are experiencing homelessness in our area. The Low Country Continuum of Care is preparing for the annual point in time count. Our Autumn Klein joins us live from the newsroom. So, Autumn, tell us about this process and why do the organizers feel it's so important? Good morning, ladies. The point in time count is a way for us to see and understand the problem of homelessness here in the low country. It helps us to see the needs and characteristics of those who are unhoused so that plans can be created to address any unmet needs. Representatives with the Low Country COC say gathering these numbers can provide data that can help policymakers and administrators track progress towards, ending, towards the goal of ending homelessness. This data will also develop and improve their priorities. Through this count, they track those experiencing homelessness, whether they are in an emergency shelter, transitional housing, or safe havens, as well as those unsheltered and sleeping outside. They began these annual counts in January of 2005. Each count is planned, coordinated, and carried out locally throughout the seven counties of the Low Country. Volunteers will go out from dusk to dawn next Wednesday night to conduct interviews with homeless individuals and families using short surveys to gather information about their characteristics and needs. The goal of these counts is to inform public opinion, increase public awareness, and attract resources that could potentially lead to the eradication of the issue of homelessness. Today is the last day to register to be a volunteer for the point-in-time count. You can register online up until noon today, and coming up at 6, I will tell you more about the volunteering process. Live in the newsroom, Autumn Klein, Live 5 News. Some Ondaw homeowners tell us they're concerned poor ditch maintenance could cause flooding on their properties. Those living on Seawee Road say recent storms caused drainage issues for several roadside ditches along a six-mile stretch. And it's leaving their yards flooded. You can see it there. Onda officials say the State Department of Transportation is responsible for maintaining the road because it's a state road. We reached out to SCDOT. It says crews began work on the road earlier this month, and they are asking for patience as they work to clear the area. The site of a proposed James Island preschool is causing some to worry about flooding and traffic. Last night, the city's design review board approved the building materials to be used, but neighbors say they are worried future approvals will cause backups in the area and prevent proper water drainage during storms. Matthew Pertersit came at home sits right behind the proposed Goddard Preschool and says that he hopes the city of Charleston has more than one plan in mind. So what is the plan going to be for um, the drainage 
what is the contingent plan going to be? If things are put in place, A, B, and C, if that doesn't hold up, if that doesn't work, then is there going to be a time period where they can reassess that and say, all right, we didn't get it right the first time. And the city will discuss more drainage specifics once the developer submits the next step to the technical review committee. Some state lawmakers are looking to make sure legislation that impacts millions of South Carolinians is properly vetted before it's enacted. They're discussing a rule change in the House of Representatives that other legislators warn will silence the chamber's most conservative voices. Right now, the House is unable to filibuster, so lawmakers instead file hundreds of amendments to delay a bill. But the proposed change would prevent that. The last time the House experienced a debate like this was last year when the state's six-week abortion ban was under consideration. It spanned about 24 hours over the course of two days before members actually voted on the bill. Just like with any rules change, uh, Democrats took some time to get used to it. And now that we've talked about it enough, I believe that we are more than a majority going to support this. It's scandalous. Uh, We're opposing it. We're going to oppose it at every turn. We think that the South Carolina House of Representatives should truly be representative and be a place of open debate. The rule has not come up for debate yet in the House, though members say that could happen as early as next week. State Senator Dion Tedder will be at will be the featured speaker at a cannabis unity rally at the State House today. Earlier this month, we told you about a bill Tedder introduced that would no longer make the smell of marijuana probable cause for a police search. The South Carolina Cannabis Coalition is holding the rally from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., Organizers saying it aims to bring awareness to cannabis benefits and policies. The coalition also plans to stress that the Palmetto State is one of just 10 states that have yet to decriminalize marijuana for medical purposes. The South Carolina Aquarium is sharing an update on its Good Catch Seafood Connection initiative. A few months ago, the aquarium teamed up with other organizations to create a solution that would offer people living in the low country greater access to local seafood. Live 5's Destiny Kennedy joins us live in Charleston at the aquarium. So, Destiny, tell us more about the impact this initiative has had on combating food insecurity. Katie Shelby, though the initiative is still in its beginning stages, organizers are hoping to expand to other areas in South Carolina. To fight food insecurity in the low country, each month the Good Catch Seafood Connection sets out to feed between 500 to 550 people, but it has surpassed that feeding number to more than 1,000 food insecure neighbors. This program purchases 50 pounds of shrimp and 110 pounds of gutted and headed swordfish from the local business Cherry Point Seafood. The seafood is dropped off to the nonprofit 180 place where their chefs and trainees prepare the food. The Culinary Institute of Charleston Trident Tech also receives a delivery and the students fillet and package the food to deliver it to the Lowcountry Food Bank. Though the program has been successful so far, in order to expand it, organizers are figuring out how to fund it. Other factors are identifying different organizations, fish houses, fishermen, distributors, and processors in other areas. I talked with Dr. Sarah McDonald, the director of conservation for the aquarium. She further explains the process before expansion. This is going to be two, a two-year phase of working out uh, any issues or kinks or, um, you know, and, and just making the process run smoothly. And, and really, it's testing the proof of concept to see um, how well it works and if we can apply this model to other areas of South Carolina and other organizations. 
Now that it's winter, fishing has stopped, but the initiative will resume in April of this year. Reporting live in Charleston, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. Good morning. I'm Nick Reagan from our first alert desk. We've got some new information just into our newsroom out of Colleton County. The sheriff's office is investigating after two teens were shot in a drive-by shooting Sunday morning. Several rounds penetrated into a mobile home on Abel Street. These are images from that scene. Now, both victims, they were inside at the time and were shot in the legs. Now, they were taken to the hospital and their injuries are considered non-life-threatening. Now, the sheriff's office also notes that there was a shooting across the street back in October that killed a man. That's the latest here from our First Alert desk. Thanks for that update, Nick. Early primary voting is now underway to fill an open statehouse seat representing District 109 of Charleston. This is to fill the open seat that now State Senator Dion Tedder left. Only two Democrats filed to run for the position, Eduardo Curry II and Tiffany Span Wilder. Early voting will go through January 26th. You can vote Monday through Friday between 8.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. If you can't vote during that time, you can still cast your ballot on the day of the primary, January 30th. The winner of the primary will run uncontested in the special election on April 2nd. A day after coming in second place at the Iowa caucuses, Republican presidential candidate Ron DeSantis made a visit to the Palmetto State. He started his campaign visit with a meet and greet in Greenville before traveling to the State House in Columbia. There, DeSantis attended a news conference discussing legislation that restricts access to transgender health care for minors. South Carolina lawmakers voted to move forward with a bill that would ban kids from getting hormone therapies. DeSantis commended the vote saying Florida has passed a similar law. As much as we all support parents' rights, you, know, you can't take your kid and get a 12-year-old a tattoo. You can't take a 13-year-old and sit him at the bar and, and do, and do uh, liquor shots. There's just certain things that, of course, are not appropriate for minors, and this is one of them. According to a January poll from Emerson, 7% of South Carolina Republicans say DeSantis is their first choice in the Republican primary. Nikki Haley has 25% and former President Donald Trump has 54%. Fresh off a third place finish in the Iowa caucuses, presidential hopeful Nikki Haley is focusing on a stronger performance in other states. The former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador says she's not concerned about a rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and is instead going after former President Donald Trump. She says she's so committed to beating him that she's no longer planning to participate in debates this week unless Trump also takes the stage. She's now setting her sights on catching up to the former president in New Hampshire and the Palmetto State. He's in single digits in South Carolina and single digits in New Hampshire. He's been invisible in both states. He is not my concern. I'm going after Trump. That's what I'm saying. And I'm doing that not for personal reasons. But the fact that I don't want my kids to live like this. At some point, something's got to give. People are tired of the division and the chaos. We can't go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. The debates Haley would have participated in this week have been canceled after neither she nor Trump responded by the deadline. At the top of the show, I told you about a concert with Michael Bolton and Aretha Franklin, among others, that entertained hundreds of thousands in the nation's capital. What was the occasion that prompted that concert? It was part of the festivities surrounding the inauguration of President Bill Clinton. Celebrating birthdays this Wednesday, actor James Earl Jones turns 93. Talk show host Maury Povich is 85. Actor-comedian Steve Harvey is 67. 
Actor Jim Carrey is 62 and musician Kid Rock is 53. Thanks so much for joining us for Morning Y'all, powered by Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. Hope you have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.